Mike says, call me play, which I assume means please. No, he so he wants us to call him playa. Okay. <laughs> All right, what up, play? I'm gonna call, say it. Call, call me playa. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NFL regular season and episode 45 of the Football Absurdity Podcast, what I'm calling the better way too late than ever edition. Uh, We're recording this a few hours later than usual, and uh, that's good news because uh, Antonio Brown news has changed three times from the time we usually record this till now. And Evan, I don't know if you know that because you've been in a car. I'm here with Evan. I don't know that. I am in Fabulous Lake Tahoe for my destination auction, and I... Uh oh, I think Gruden said he's playing on Monday. Well, since then, well, we'll get into that. So uh, Evans in uh, Tahoe. So if we have some cutouts, uh, he's doing his best with the internet they got up there. Mike, how uh, how was your Friday today? Before you almost smashed three different computers trying to get into the, the podcast. <laughs> it was actually going really well. A really smooth day, and then yeah, disaster with with trying to figure out and. It was a mess, as, as you guys heard. So, good to go now, though. Probably not as messy as Thursday night football between the Bears and Packers, but we'll go ahead to get into that. Um, before we get into all the good football goodness, the uh, week one preview, the Thursday night review, our DFS lineups, uh, a response to a mailbag, let's get all the housekeeping out of the way. So if you found us through the website, through footballabsurdity.com, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get podcasts. We did discover last week there is sort of a delay on Spotify and Apple Music slash iTunes. So if you're not finding us, you can go ahead and message us at fballabsurdity on Twitter. And I can go ahead and get you the direct RSS feed. So as soon as it updates on the um, website, you can get it for fr- or get it right away uh, in your podcast app of choice. So uh, if you did find us through the podcast, chances are, or through the website, chances are you did find us because of Beer Sheets. Uh, Beer Sheets had their last run of the season on September 3rd. So um, that's probably a smart thing considering the season has already started and only Evan drafts after the first <laughs> uh, game of the season, but for real good reason. Cause he, like he said, it's a destination in Tahoe. Um, beer sheets is done, but we do have a beer sheet shirt, um, a little uh, legendary hero. That's um, diverse enough to be uh, distinct from any sort of intellectual property uh, themed shirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, there's a link in the podcast description. It's on T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, uh, laptop bags, stickers, cell phone cases, all kinds of stuff with the the logo on it. And it uh, it uh, it's pretty cool and it helps support the website. Uh, another way you can support the website is if you become a patron via Patreon.com/slash/FootballAbsurdity or the support button on the top of FootballAbsurdity.com. Um, seven bucks a month and our patrons will have access to a second show every week. Um, which we started this week Uh, it's going to be a a review show of the previous week our patrons also have access to a patrons only chat in our discord uh, where you can get instant advice from one of our experts and if you want to join that discord it is tiny.cc slash absurdity will take you there Uh, last bit of plugging right off the top um Another way you can help us out is if you have the itch to draft, you can go to draft.com slash absurdity and drop in promo code absurdity. If you deposit 10 bucks, um, you will uh, get a $3 token that'll help you out with, with entry to another tournament and it'll help us out a lot. 
Uh, last way you can help us out a lot is let everybody know. Uh, you can rate review on iTunes, uh, anywhere you can get podcasts. If they let you review there, we'd love a review and some five stars. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, FBallAbsurdity. Um, I'm Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O. Uh, Mike is RFL Red Zone, and Evan is Evan Hoovler on Facebook. So, boys, Thursday night preview. Bears and Packers. Uh, Mike, I know you were at a baseball game. Evan, did you get to check it out? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. So for those of you who did not get to watch the game, let me just give you about hmm, 25, 30 words maybe that describe exactly how bad the game was last night. These are how every every drive ended. Punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt, touchdown, punt, 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 half, punt, 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 punt. Turnover on downs, punt, punt, field goal, interception, punt, turnover on downs, kneel down. It was that bad. It was as bad as it sounds. And um, there was a first and 40 play, which, Evan, I think there was something you wanted to talk about on first and 40. The Bears ended up there. And uh, you had something you want to talk about with regards to first and 40. Yeah, I wanted to look it up if that's ever happened before. And it turns out... Uh, according to Mike Sando, who really did the lion's share of the research on this, it's happened twice before, uh, both times in 2017, which, okay, that's interesting. So first and 40, it's getting popular. <laughs> first and 40, get in on the ground floor. Uh, so um, watching it, it didn't, for for the Bears, it didn't seem like um, it was really the Packers defense, though the Packers defense did look good. It looked like offensive ineptitude. They got, they were at home. They got multiple the, the Bears had to call timeout to prevent um, a delay a game. They got multiple delay of games. Mitch Trubisky looked awful. But the, the big thing um, to take away from this game was uh, the running back splits for snaps for the um, for the Chicago Bears. Because Dave Montgomery, rookie Dave Montgomery, is supposed to be a big uh, thing um, going into the season. He only got 27 snaps. Mike Davis got 40 and did nothing with them. Uh, Tariq Cohen got 50, though he was only in the backfield in a traditional uh, running back stance, I think four times, according to Mike Clay. So, um, you know, Mike Davis uh, kind of led the way um, with uh, five carries for 19 yards, six catches for 17 yards. He That that's pretty much all he's going to do. So Mike, what do you think this will do going forward for the bears? Do you think this is a buy low opportunity for David Montgomery, or do you think this might be a mess all season? Uh, yeah. You know, it's hard to judge off of, off of last night's game. I I did watch uh, quite a bit of it, uh, highlights and stuff and listen to people talk about it. But this is what I, I come, come away with in my decision is that, a, he's a rookie, so he is going to have not only this bump, but many bumps down the road. And not only that, I think he's also going to um, be in a position where there's a reason why they kept Mike Davis. Uh, Tariq Cohen had had a great, great deal more snaps than, than he did. So is this... And they played a great defense in Green Bay. So it's just going to be uh, – it's just a lot of factors to consider to say, okay, hey, um, he's just not very good. Um, I would hold right now unless you really have a good offer. Uh, and and if, if it is a buy low situation, I, I definitely go after it. Yeah, I think that because Evan is, uh, is drafting this weekend, so he selfishly put a note in the, the show doc. 
asking if I think it's a buy low opportunity. I think we've seen the Mike Davis experience in Chicago for now. I think we've seen what he's going to do. I think they're going to move towards David Montgomery because he looked so much better when he got the ball in his hands than Mike Davis did, which makes sense because it's long been the football absurdity uh, website stance that Mike Davis sucks. So um, he proved it once again. Mike Davis sucks. Um, So I think that I wouldn't worry and I would try to make a trade offer for um, David Montgomery if he's available in your league, if that owner is panicking. Um, see if you can try to uh, flip somebody to get David Montgomery because I think it's only good times ahead for David Montgomery. Like Mike said, he's going to have some hiccups. That I mean, he's a rookie that's um, understandable and that's to be expected. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, Mitch Trubisky isn't going to throw for 228 yards on 45 pass attempts, and um, you know, he'll throw to somebody who's not uh, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, or Mike Davis. There are better days ahead for this Bears offense, even though Trubisky did not look up to snuff. But uh, things can't possibly be as bad as they were on um, on Monday night. Um, so for the Packers side, uh, we saw uh, kind of an answer to a question that had been going back and forth all preseason. Um, I think at least. Uh, Geronimo Allison had zero targets. Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, led the team with four receptions on uh uh, six targets, which was second to Devonte Adams. Uh, he led the Packers in yards because he caught a nice deep bomb from uh, Aaron Rodgers. But um, Mike, since you were able to see some of the game, what do you think about um, MVS versus Geronimo? Uh, it felt like they were trying to manufacture stuff for MVS. Uh, is he a guy that uh, you might uh, be able to slot into your lineup next week? Maybe. I think I think MVS definitely won the uh, round one. But it was judge's decision. There weren't any hard knockouts. Well, I mean, if we're if we're going with that um, metaphor, uh, Geronimo didn't even get a punch off. You know, he didn't get a single target. Well, good. And, I like to hear that. I want somebody to be a clear wide receiver too. What's interesting yeah. about that too is that if you're looking at the snap counts, MVS had 42. And Geronimo Allison had 32, so that's a that's a 10 10 snap difference. Uh, yeah, a little bit more, but not enough to say okay, well this one was targeted um, this many times and this one wasn't targeted at all. So you have to ask yourself, what, was it in the game plan that that they just couldn't get to them because the Bears defense, or how how that's going to work? But I I am definitely my my chips are definitely moving towards. Marcus Valdez Scantling and a less uh, away from Geronimo Allison, especially if this is uh, continues, because uh, as we obviously seeing with, with just the snap counts, that Scantling is the second wide receiver, while uh, Allison is is definitely the third. Yeah, so um, it, it sucks for my. Uh, uh, predictions, but it's great for my uh, longtime keeper league where I ended up with uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling for like three dollars because I was in desperate need of wide receivers. So hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And um, um, I wouldn't worry too much about the Packers' offense. Um, the Bears' defense is otherworldly. There was a stat last night that um, one out of every play, every eight plays, um, the Bears play on defense. Uh, one out, sorry, one out of every eight passing plays. Um, going up against the Bears defense ends in a pick, an interception, or, or I'm sorry, a pick, 
a fumble or I think it was turnover on downs. It was some crazy number where one out of every eight plays goes horribly wrong for the opposing offense. So I'm not too worried about the Packers because like um, uh, they looked pretty disjointed out there. Um, first game with the new OC, Aaron Rodgers didn't play much in in preseason, but like Aaron Jones only had three yards per carry. Um, Jamal Williams had five carries for net zero yards, but I think it's better days ahead. Um, it was pretty good to see Jimmy Graham out there scoring a touchdown after you guys backed me into being the Jimmy Graham guy on the podcast. So that was that was a pretty nice uh, pretty nice turn of events last night. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not too worried about the Packers offense because of the Bears defense. I am curious about how much of last night for the Bears offense was the Bears and Mitch Trubisky not taking a step forward. How much of it is a greatly improved Packers defense? Because I think that the Packers defense, um, might be better than people think. So I think that that might've played a role last night in it. Yeah, you know, what I saw, I really liked. I, I think their their secondary their secondary it was has been developing for the last couple seasons, but they they put a lot of pressure on Trubisky. So Yeah, they did. They, they're not as good as Bears, of course, but really who is? Uh but I, I, I think that they're definitely a defense to watch and you, as as your fantasy players go against this defense they're not the the cakewalk that that you might think they are so definitely plan ahead especially if you're looking at a flex play or the third wide receiver those kind of things of course you're going to start your starters but if if your flex play is against green bay and you have maybe a little bit lesser option that's going against a weaker defense that might be the uh, smarter decision all right yeah that's kind of how i feel about it too is that they're um they're sneakily going to be one of the worst defenses to go up against for your opposing players because they've spent, yeah, like you said, Mike, a ton of capital in that secondary recently. So, all right. So we'll put that one to bed. And, and um, what we'll do before we start on uh, uh, news and notes and talking about uh, the week one preview, uh, we're going to do a little bit predictions for what we think is going to happen in the league. And um, I think we'll just um, just. Real quick, we'll go around. We'll say who we think is going to win the divisions, who we think the wild card is going to be, uh, who the uh, championship games are going to be, and uh, the Super Bowl, and obviously the Super Bowl winner. So um, I'll start. Um, we'll start in the AFC West. Um, I have this, the Chiefs taking it down pretty clear. They're the favorites in that division. Uh, Evan, who do you have? Chiefs. Not Chiefs. getting cute. Not getting cute. Yeah. Mike? Yeah, same same Chiefs. A real quick question. Are the Raiders with Antonio Brown a dark horse for you guys? No. <laughs> Sorry, Evan. I had to do it. All right. I, I wish. <laughs> no, I wish I'm not I, letting you rebut. I'm not letting you rebut. I wish I was a homeless person. <laughs> I wish I was a homeless person. I do. And I was freezing on the streets of Oakland because maybe then I could enjoy the dumpster fire that is that team. <laughs> Notably. Constantly frozen Oakland streets. All right, AFC North. I got the Browns. Steelers. I think you've been having a little bit of a look at my paper, Jeff. All right. Yeah. Evan's got the Browns. All right. AFC East. Uh, Do you guys want me to just write down Patriots for you both right now? Yeah, go ahead. Go. Because I have the Miami Dolphins. No, you do not. Finishing last. No, pa- yeah, I was going to say. With, with the Patriots finishing first. All Good right. Lord. Yeah, that one's been a gimme for ages. Uh, yeah. AFC South uh, with 
Andrew Luck dead. Rest in peace, Texans. Yeah. Jags. Whoa! I was getting, I was writing I was writing Texans for Evan. Jags. Wow! A bunch of Jags gonna win the AFC South. Bunch of Jags gonna Jag. Jag wads. I got I got for my wild cards I got two teams coming out of the AFC North. I think it was really hard for me to pick the Browns, but I got the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens all coming out of the AFC for the wild card or AFC North in the playoffs. So they got two wild cards. I also have the Ravens, but I like the Chargers. You know, Chargers are good leadership. Uh, Chargers are good. Probably would have got in over the Ravens for me if we knew what was going on with Melvin Gordon. Uh, Mike, who do you got for the AFC wild cards? I, I actually agree with both of you. I got I have Cleveland as one and Chargers as the other. Oh, okay, so you you split the difference. Pretty much. All right, Chargers. I'm writing these down. So, um, all right. So, um, NFC West. I got the Rams. That's pretty clear. Yeah. I got the Seahawks, Jadavian Clowney. Whoa. They've got it all figured out. Figured out. The, the Rams' defense is, is deceptively worse than it was last season. Yeah, but I think their offense is going to take a step forward. I think it'll make up for it. Um, NFC North, Packers. Bears. Vikings. Ooh. Ooh. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of game on the field in NFC North. I know. Look at that. Um for the uh, NFC South, um, I got the Saints. Give me Saints. the Panthers. Oh, Evan with the like, Panthers, huh? Give me the team. Give me the team with an actual defense. Saints got an actual D. Yeah, they do. Well, they don't have a quarterback. Whoa. Well, well, okay. What? We'll leave that. We'll leave that on the cutting room floor. All right. Went uh, there. I went there. NFC East. Who do you guys got? The boys. The boys. Mike? Fly, Eagles, fly. Ooh, I got the boys by my, um, wait, no, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> I had them next to each other. I got the Eagles. I got the Eagles. Uh, the boys were very close. I, uh, I had the boys, then I got rid of them because I remembered the Eagles existed. All right. Um, who are your guys' wild cards? And this will explain my screw up. Because mine are Cowboys and Niners. Because I'm a homer, baby. But uh, yeah, I had Cowboys making the wild card. I got the Vikes and Panthers. Evan? I said I got the Bears and the Rams. Bears so it sounds, and... sounds like there's only one or two outliers in each conference. Yeah. Well, one of, I mean... Can we call me being a homer an outlier? <laughs> I mean, let's be fair here. One of the outliers is the Niners, and it's because it's the uh, um, who was it? Evan? Who did we say we wanted to? We think is going to have a big year because we desperately want them to have a big year. Daniel Jones. It's the uh, it's the Daniel Jones corollary for me for the Niners. So uh, AFC Nick champ- Mullins, baby. No, Nick Mullins is trash. It was uh, Carlos AF- Hyde. Oh, Nick Mullins. Sorry, I love that taunt. Carlos Hyde is great. He's almost as good as Nick Mullins. All right, AFC Championship game. Who do you guys got? Oh. Uh, we'll come back to Mike. Evan, yeah, come back uh, to me because I didn't care. Cow- Cowboys over Panthers. In the AFC Championship? That'll be a heck of a battle. Yeah, there's a lot of shakeup going to happen. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of bureaucratic uh, nonsense. Uh, Patriots over Browns. Pats over, ooh, Brown's making the AFC Championship game. All right, you said Cowboys over who? I'm uh, just going to put that uh, down. Panthers. Cowboys, Cowboys over Panthers. Panthers. 
All right, Mike, who you got in the AFC? Uh, I have the Chiefs over the Patriots. Oh, Chiefs going to the Super Bowl, huh? You yeah. All right, so that's kind of wild because mine is uh, Chiefs over the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> same exact thing. Um, uh, Evan, I'm sorry, Mike, who is your NFC championship game? So I'm going to go with the Bears over the Eagles. Bears over the Eagles. All right. Mitch Troop is. So doink, doink, doink. And it flies back <laughs> to the right. Bear, so Mitch Trubisky is going to be a uh, Super Bowl quarterback, huh? Uh, yeah. mine, mine is Saints over Rams. So it looks like that gives us the AFC, or sorry, Super Bowl matchups of um, for Evan. We've got the Cowboys and the Pats, which will be the Insufferable Bowl. Insufferable Space Bowl. Um, nice crickets. Um, for Mike, it's going to be Chiefs, Chiefs and Bears. And for me, it's going to be Saints and Chiefs. So, Mike, who is your NFL champion for the year? The NFL champion will be the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Mr. Hoovler. For the fourth straight time, New England proves they don't got what it takes to figure out the NFC East. Cowboys over the Patriots. Wow. I have your New Orleans Saints going to the Super Bowl. So we have three different Super Bowl winners, which is not surprising because we have three different Super Bowl matchups. I like it a lot. We won't. We we didn't have us uh, agreeing with each other a whole lot. So that's good. That's good. That makes for good radio, boys. You know, that's not good. No, am I doing it right? Am I doing it it right? It it, you know what makes for great radio is stepping all over transitions. (laughs) So you know what makes for good radio. (laughs) is transitions so um if you're like us and you love fantasy football that's why you're listening to this you're you just got done with the best part of the year when you were drafting if you want to relive that experience go to draft.com slash absurdity promo code absurdity as long as you deposit 10 bucks you can get a free three dollar token on us it helps us out a lot and um you can keep drafting all season long the way it works during uh the regular season is it is sort of like daily fantasy you go back and forth and you um pick your guys like you would in normal snake draft you know the draft that evan hates but mike and i like so um so that is draft.com slash absurdity promo code absurdity so um reminder $10 deposit gets you a $3 token and it helps us out a lot. So um, we're going to move on from news and notes because I can't find the thing for the mailbag. Sorry, Jeremy. Uh, We'll get back to you next week. Um, So news and notes. So uh, right off the top. Coincidence. What a coincidence. Evan steps on your transition and you lose the email where they say I'm right. Yeah. So it was something about Evan being right. It was, uh, if you listen to our, um, I wanted to get the actual test, but I'll give you the, the gist. If you listen to our mailbag episode last week, uh, Jeremy and Iowa, aka my wife's cousin, uh, sent us a text message or sent me a text message asking, how the heck does he get his league to um, convert to fab? And if you want the answer to that, check out last week's podcast. Evan goes into great depth and detail about it. Uh, he takes schools us on ancient Greek philosophy. Um, but the long and the short of it was it worked. My my uh, dear wife's cousin is now in a league with fab bidding during the season, which is free agent acquisition acquisition budget, which is what all the big leagues do. For example, Scott Fishbowl, 
Uh, Jacoby Brissett cleared uh, somebody and almost all of everybody's fab budget uh, in week one because we just ran waivers for the first time. So, uh, so that was the gist of it. Was he successfully converted to fab, which is a lot of fun because you can go out and get exactly who you want if you want to shoot your shot. Um, I thought twenty six or twenty seven bucks was going to do it for Jacoby Brissett, but I was wrong. So, all right. So the reason that Evan interrupted me and distracted me and made sure I talk about that was the first item in the news and notes. Because Evan's our resident Raiders fan. And Evan, I, I want to know, like, how much do you know? You can you can review as much as you know, and I'll fill you in on everything else that's happened. I last heard Gruden said AB was playing on Sunday, Monday. Woo-hoo! And I had hope. I had hope in my heart for the first time this offseason. So I'm sure nothing else happened. So that was at a what, about like three o'clock today maybe a little bit earlier maybe two that he said that i think so i think that's about right that's last time i was connected to society okay so at about six o'clock today there was a report on twitter um that um he had been fined for his conduct you know this week antonio brown if you don't know uh tried to fight mike mayock their gm uh with him on the field uh punted a football punted a football and said, find me for that. Well, guess what Mike Mayock did? He levied fines against Antonio Brown for his conduct this week, probably as a middle ground with John Gruden. So John Gruden can have him and reports start leaking out that um, Antonio Brown is very upset about uh, being levied fines and uh, may not play on Monday is what it sounds like. So, (laughs) so that happened. At least punch Mike Mayock. If, that's what's going to happen. Then I get the satisfaction of Mike Mayock getting punched. You know, now it's just neither thing I wanted to happen. Would you like, so, so without giving away what happened and, and Mike, you might not know this either. Cause it was while we were trying to get the stuff sorted out for the recording. Would a punch to John Gruden be as good as a punch to Mike Mayock for you, Evan? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Not, how about, not quite, but... how about a proverbial kick in the groin? How's that sound? Well, now we're now we're slippery sloping away from punching Mike Mayock. Okay, but is a proverbial kick in the groin for John Gruden acceptable to you? If I say yes, you're going to say, well, what about proverbial poking the nose for John Gruden? Is no, because I don't. I feel like I'm being master negotiated out of what I want here. No, because I'm doing the rule of threes thing and saying, well, how about I tell you what it actually is? I, you are putting on a master case of stepping all over things tonight, Evan. You're 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 in top form. <laughs> so what actually ended up happening was after that got posted to Twitter, Antonio Brown posted a professionally edited video with nice swelling music and videos of him working out and with his family and with the Raiders. And what's in the background is a conversation that Antonio Brown recorded on the telephone between him and John Gruden. <laughs> Or <laughs> we're not entirely sure if John Gruden knows it was recorded. And it's uh, John Gruden said, you're a great football player. I love you as a football player. That's why we went and got you. But we need you on the field. And then I hit record on the podcast. It was kind of the last thing I saw before that happened. So net on it, uh, we don't know what's going on with Antonio Brown, which is funny because uh, they say changes aren't permanent, but changes, the 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 in uh tom sawyer by rush um but evan now that you know everything that's going on with your raiders um how do you feel about your raiders i mean 
dumpster fire. Guess how many leagues? I'm in nine leagues. Guess how many leagues I own them in? Antonio Brown? Yep. Uh, Ten, because you're going to draft him tomorrow. Zero. I don't go for that high-risk, high-reward nonsense with my top three, top three guys. Neither do I. That's kind of the whole thought behind Damian Williams. Uh, my whole thing all season with off season with him. Uh, Mike, do you have any Antonio Brown, sir? Um, I have Antonio Brown in some of my dynasty leagues, but I do not have any shares for redraft. And, oh, that's understandable. Yeah, you didn't, didn't you didn't you didn't get him this year. Okay, that's cool. Mike, how dare you have had one of the best or the best wide receiver in the NFL for the last five or six years on your dynasty roster? Oh how, yeah. How I mean, I got, stupid! I got one league where you should see the lineup. It's it's gold. It, it's it's amazing. I, I I like it. I I um explicitly um <clears throat> yeah um feel good every every time I see it. Yeah. So um. Those are those are great rosters to have. I have a dynasty startup that I did last year, and uh, I love staring at that roster. And uh, so before we move on to um, the next piece of news, uh, Mike reminded me we forgot to thank our absurdists. Uh, so um, these are people who we thank at the top of the po- uh, the podcast. And um, so we got five new absurdists this week. These are people who support us on Patreon. So David R, thank you so much. <laughs> Chris T, thank you so much. Sean B, muchas gracias. Uh, Denise H, who might be our first female absurdist, as far as I know. Uh, Thank you very much. And Colin M, thank you so much. So again, normally that goes at the top of the show. If you want to be like those folks, you can help us out by going footballabsurdity.com slash Patreon. Um, We are getting... More writers on staff, but we do still have to pay for those beer sheet servers upgrade server upgrades. And if we get enough absurdists, maybe they can get even better next year. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So uh, speaking of getting paid, um, three guys got paid. Ezekiel Elliott, Jared Goff got paid earlier this week. We talked about them on the um, Patreon exclusive episode. Uh, Tyreek Hill got paid today. Not much to talk about. He was under contract. Um, it's just kind of cool that garbage people always get rewarded with contracts, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if, you, if if you're if you're talented and you're special and you're a star and you're an athlete, you get money no matter what you do. That's that's true. I think it's um uh, Andrew Brandt who said that um you know the a team's capacity for dealing with your nonsense is directly proportional to your capacity to uh, produce on the football field is basically what it comes down to. Um, one guy who might not play on Sunday, I think he's going to play because um, he wants to get paid as Julio Jones. Um, just something to monitor. Um, he was kind of in a session with the media on Thursday. It was kind of like sheepish and, and non-responsive because the Falcons have been promising him a new contract all off season and uh, it hasn't materialized. And uh, he was playing the good soldier. He wasn't going the Zeke or, or, or Melvin Gordon route. And I think he's feeling hurt. I think he'll still play on Sunday. Um, but he just needs to um, let the team know he's a little upset with them. You know, uh, with, with, with the way players push around owners at times and their contracts, I think this would be a good time to show that owners can have faith in the players so that players don't do what Ezekiel Elliott and Melville Gordon do, if, if they can have faith in the owners, like Julio Jones is trying to do here and is rewarded with faith, then maybe 
this kind of nonsense that Ezekiel Elliott is doing. And and I get it. They want to get paid, but it's still nonsense. Um, can be overturned and actually maybe both sides can can get things done without, you know, garbage in between. I think well, it's a lot different for a running back than a wide receiver. Running back's play can his career could end in any play. Whereas a wide receiver is much more likely to have a couple of years to wait it out, trust the owners, whatnot. Yeah, I think um I think also um if they don't pay Julio Jones, um, like they said they're going to all offseason, like if he doesn't have a contract on Saturday, um, I think you're going to have more guys holding out like Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, because especially because Zeke got paid. They'll look at Julio not getting paid, Zeke getting paid and go, well, you know, if I'm not going to get paid, I'm not going to get hurt either while I while I, you know, while I wait. So it's it's an interesting thing to sort of monitor. Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm saying is is that if, if owners show a precedent of, of paying these players um, before these players need to do what they need to do, then the, this process will go much, much smoother. Oh, yeah. when you put it that way, I can get behind that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just about you know fra- how, how you're going to frame it. So um, one last bit of news before we get into the week one reviews, and this leads right into it. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. is having some hip issues. He's saying he can't run full bore. I think he's going to play on Sunday. I think it's just Odell Beckham hasn't seen his name in print for a while. So that leads us right into our game previews. And coincidentally, the first game preview is Tennessee at Cleveland. Uh, what we do in these uh, previews is uh, a little bit different from other fantasy football podcasts because anybody could be like, you know, I think Baker Mayfield, I think you should start him this week. Or, you know what, that Derrick Henry, he sure does suck. Um, What we're going to talk about is uh, what we're looking for. So uh, what information, if you get it from this this game, it's probably something you should sit up up and take notice of instead of something you can just kind of like file away for later. So Tennessee at Cleveland, it's a 46.5 point over under. Uh, Cleveland is 5.5 point favorites at home. Um, which one of you guys had this one? That was me. Evan. So Evan, what Evan. are we what are we looking for in Tennessee at Cleveland? Well, this is it. The hype train is screaming down the line. We've brought out your sacrificial cow to lay down on the tracks in front of the hype train. Now you gotta make it some ground beef. Uh, cow is actually a good metaphor for Tennessee Titans because while they move the ball really slowly, they're tough to push against. They allowed actually the third least points per game in the league of all teams in 2018. So what I want to see to have confidence in Cleveland's fantasy is good, not necessarily great games from OBJ, Mayfield, and Chubb in order to say, yeah, these guys are real because they're going up against defense that's real and at times great uh but also the titans should be exhausted from being on the field their defense so much towards the last 20 minutes of the game because their offense is not not great i imagine there's gonna be some big plays for cleveland in the last game if i see that i'm confident that this whole fantasy cleveland beast is is moving according to speed and then i also want to see uh is njoku going to grow with the team and perhaps become a top eight tight end or will he remain Ooh. one of those guys you Start just to just to keep up with the low weather, low end tie ten te ten through fifteens. You know, I want to know what happens there in his second year. Uh, can Jarvis Landry keep the Titans D honest about covering the short middle of the field and maybe maybe become a PPR machine again? I suspect not. I watched them all last year, and it's not really a focus of Freddie Kitchen's game plan. 
But if he catches eight or more balls, I might have to rethink that. Uh, the best part about being a pessimist is I love I love being wrong. So that's what I'm watching on the Cleveland end of the ball. Uh, on the Titans side of fantasy, will Delaney Walker continue to be that safe play that gives owners a return for very little value? Or is he over the hill? He's as old as the hills, but is he over them? And still, is he limited by an extensive career and a major injury last year? I want to see that because he might be popping on. He might be a... A nice little chunk you can get as a throw-in for a trade, uh, a bigger trade uh, for for nothing. If he's uh, he's providing that consistency. Also, and everybody wants to know this: Do we get the Derrick Henry we saw over his insane four-game stretch last year? Okay, well, no, it's pretty impossible. But do we get the better Derrick Henry than his other 12 games, where his max rushing yards were 58? That's what I want to know. Uh, also, Corey Davis, I faded him. All draft season because Marcus Mariota and an offense that seems generally not to be able to move into scoring opportunities. They were bottom quarter of the league in 2018 in terms of points scored. But Corey Davis is on a lot of people's uh, uh, wide receiver board. So I want to see what I missed. Is he so good he can outplay the entire team offense and their quarterback being bad? Uh, Deion Lewis, bye week flexible? He had 917 total yards last year, played in all 16 games, almost four catches a game, but he only played two touchdowns. So I want to see how he breaks this year. He had three games over 100 total yards. So if he starts getting getting the uh, touchdowns up, uh, I would love him for a high upside play. I can pull off the waiver wire in a, in a flex during a buy NATO. Yeah, there's a lot of fantasy implications in this one. Uh, a lot of barometer readings on players we've only been able to speculate about going on here. So this is definitely a game I'll be focusing on. And I don't think I've ever said that about a Titans matchup in 30 years. All right. Thank you, Dispatch from the Micro Machines guy. <laughs> I reviewed the episodes on double speed and I'm very interested to hear how little of that I'm going to be able to understand. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to add to what I can only describe as a screed? That, that, that was a train. <laughs> wow. I um, need a nap. Well, <laughs> Thank you, Evan. Evan covered everything from soup to nuts, so I guess we'll just move on to... It was my first one. I was on the podcast last year. I wanted to lead hard. I tried hard. <laughs> I like I like how mine are like, uh, you know, uh, it'll be funny to see what Antonio Brown does and does Joe Flacco own? And <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways. Oh, Mike. Next up, Baltimore... Did you cover the offensive line? Yeah. What do you think of the uh, right guard of um, of Cleveland, Evan? I'd give him about a 7 out of 10. All right. All right. right Sol- guardiness. Solid B minus. All right. <laughs> sure. So, so, uh, so, Mike, Baltimore at Miami, it's a 37 and a half point over under. Baltimore is uh, seven point favorites. And this one uh, does have the lowest over under of the week, which uh, makes sense because Miami might score the fewest points ever. So uh, what are we looking for in this one? And don't worry, I'm not grading you on a curve from Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank goodness. Um, Yeah, basically what what I think this game is going to turn into is just whoever can run the ball better because – both teams don't really have a passing game at all. Uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson is, as a passer, is garbage. 
So his fantasy points, of course, is going to come through running the ball. Uh, Ravens was one of the best teams in in rushing the ball last season. I think they were second most in yards. Uh, they averaged like 4.5 yards per carry. So they are a very good running team. They center they center their whole offense around the run. So look for Mark Ingram. And I want to see how the rookie does, too, Justice Hill. Uh, so that should be interesting. And then plus they have a couple wide receivers that are rookie. I'd like to see which – which one? Will, will it be Boykin? Will it be Brown? It's going to be Boykin. Boykin? I, I Boykin. like Boykin. I, I, I'm agreeing with you on that one, too. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see what, what, what wide receiver, what rookie wide receiver Jackson sort of um, clamors onto. And, uh, of course, their tight ends are going to be used heavily in this offense as well. Uh, as far as Miami, they... They're going to need to turn over the get the Ravens to turn that ball over. Uh, as we know, their offense is is junk. They're, they're, I mean, Fitzpatrick might be the best player on, on their offensive uh, team. Uh, we'll we'll see with Gasecki. He might be second best. He might be the best. But outside of that, they they don't have anything. Uh, Drake, uh, Kenny Drake, and Kalen Balaj are going to split carries. They're pretty good. They're okay, but. There's nothing spectacular about them as well. They're off. Their wide receivers are just garbage. Uh, you have Parker and Grant and Williams. Uh, we don't. We don't know anything really about these guys except for they've been around. Uh, ex- except for Williams and they they have never produced. So. Wow, n- not an Albert Wilson fan. He doesn't get a, even get a mention, huh? No, he doesn't. He doesn't even get a mention. I mean, he he might be the best receiver on the team, but really, it's almost like Seattle. Who? who all, you have all these guys, and they're just all jags. And one guy could could actually be uh, Amar Darbo, and another guy could yeah. be DK Metcalf. We, we just don't know yet. Tyler, uh, Tyler Lockett disrespect and erasure, bud. <laughs> and I got Tyler Lockett in my home league, too. Wow. Um, That's disrespect. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I like Tyler Lockett. I do. I think he's going to be all right. But... Um, and so the the offense to win this are going to really have to uh, be the better defensive team, which is going to be hard because we all know that the Ravens are a really good defensive team. But they're going to have to make sure that the, that they get uh, field control and make the Ravens turn the ball over to win. I don't see it happening. I see the Ravens pretty much in a blowout in this game. So get get your players, uh, your Ravens players, especially Mark Ingram, uh, Jackson. If, if you're streaming quarterbacks uh, and then, yeah, look for Justice Hill. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Justice Hill in this game and see what he does. All right. So, Mike, we're going to we're going to play that game that we played last year. So, Mark Ingram, would you start Mark Ingram at Miami or Sony Michelle versus Pittsburgh? Ooh, I think I'm going to go with Mark Ingram this week. Just, wow. Yeah, I, I, I think. That you're going to see Justice Hill sort of be someone like uh, what we saw with Henderson and um, and the Bears is just slowly bringing him in into the offense. So uh, I think Mark Ingram is going to play a huge, huge role. Uh, probably was probably going to get maybe 70 percent of the offensive uh, carries, maybe even more. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that yeah. 
this week I'm, I'm going to go with Ingram. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Mark Ingram or uh, Devonta Freeman at Minnesota. Ooh, that's a tough one because you got that Minnesota defense. Yeah, but you got a be- arguably a better, faster offense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Freeman. I, I don't want. I don't know how Mark Ingram's going to be with the Ravens, and that's that's sort of what's we the, don't know the yet. Point. Yeah. yeah. It will, so since that's an unknown, I'm gonna, I'm going to go with Freeman this week. Okay. Cool. So next one up, that's me. Uh, Atlanta travels north to Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's four-point favorites on this one. It's a 48-point over-under. Uh, Mike Clay had a stat yesterday um, about the Vikings' defense, which is uh, 16 quarterbacks have had 27 passing touchdowns last season, which is the same number of passing touchdowns the Vikings' defense has allowed in the last two seasons combined. Um, so... The what I'm looking for here is um, when the chips are down, um, can the Falcons can, like can they try can they overcome this matchup? Because if Matt Ryan comes out of there with two passing touchdowns, that's going to be a huge win. I think I think that's going to be a boon, and it also says a lot about the um, the Falcons. Um, offense, how good it's going to be. Um, but of course, I'm also looking for um, on the Falcon side, I'm looking to see what Calvin Ridley does because he was uh, the best rookie wide receiver last year for fantasy. Um, but he was very up and down. He had like six touchdowns in three weeks at the beginning of the season and then kind of faded. Trying to see which Calvin Ridley we get. Also checking to see to make sure Ito's still the guy to back up Devonta Freeman there um, in, um, in uh, Atlanta. And then um, for Austin Hooper, I'm not really looking too much to see um, if they throw the ball his way because I was looking deeper at his uh, stats last night. And um, and uh, his his uh, his most of his targets came in games where um, the Falcons ended up losing. So I don't think he's going to do if he doesn't do much this week, I wouldn't worry because those were really games where they were coming back. Um, And so. This one might be more of a back and forth slobber knocker. So if Hooper doesn't perform this week, I'm not too worried. Uh, for the Vikings, just making sure Dalvin Cook stays upright. Uh, Stefan Diggs was questionable. Um, in the past, he's been really bad when he's been questionable, but we'll see how that goes. So anything you guys are looking for, you, separate? Bill. Huh? I, I'm hoping that it turns out to be a good football game. Offense versus defense is a real good struggle. Like you said, two touchdowns, I think, is optimal for entertainment value as well from Matt for, Ryan. For Matt Ryan, yeah. If he gets two passing, touch, passing touchdowns, I think it's going to be a boon. Um, Mike, anything that you're looking for in that one? I, I just want to see how well Freeman comes back from missing all that time and yeah. with those injuries. That's a good point. Yeah, Freeman. I kind of took it for granted that he was fully healed, but yeah, he could uh, could stumble a bit out of the gate because he was pretty banged up last year. Um, so next one out, uh, Buffalo at a different part of New York. Um, they're taking on the Giant or the Jets, sorry, and it is a forty-one point over under, and the Jets are three point favorites. So Evan, what are you looking for in this one? I think we're all looking for one thing primarily. Are you going to use Bell, Adam Gase? How much will he look rested and appeased, 
or sour and stale. He's a mystery box right there. And inside it could be a rushing title. But inside it could also be Adam Gase's severed head. And I just want to know what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? I have no shares of Bell because there are just too many question marks. Even though if everything breaks right, he could easily finish as a top five RB and no one would be surprised. Uh, The Bills, for the most part, uh, have a stout run defense to present up against uh, Bell. So I want to know how will perennial failures Adam Gase and offensive coordinator for the Jets, Dowell Loggins, react if the running game hits a wall in the opening drives? Will they switch to leaning on drives scripted around unseasoned QB Sam Darnold? Or will they do the right thing and continue to pound the ground? No faith in these guys to coach their way out of a Gatorade bucket. And a standard approach they stick with until the team finds a rhythm could go a lot to change my mind towards positive for them. Uh, I want to know about Inunua, Quincy Inunua. I want to know about Robbie Anderson. Uh, they're hyped as sleepers in the offseason, particularly Anderson. Uh, they're expected to make a leap forward corresponding with uh, Sam Donald's development. That's great for real life, but is it good enough for fantasy? My fear is that the offense won't move the ball fast enough, and touches will be gobbled up by Bell, leaving Anderson and Nunwa in the same spot they've been for years, dependent on the deep ball for fantasy production. Now, eight or more targets for each of these guys, and seeing a game plan that works them into looks on short and medium routes go a long way towards changing my mind. And uh, Nunwa is available on a lot of waiver wires, so <laughs> that's what I'm watching from that side. On the Bills side... Let's see the mid-range pass game of Josh Allen. Does that even exist? Josh Allen throws it long. Josh Allen tucks it and runs or dumps it off. But the Jets are so thin at linebacker right now. Both their two starters are out. Even a bottom-rated passer should be able to see plays in the middle of the field. This will be a great test of Allen's prospects of becoming an all-around fantasy starter. And, of course, I want to see the battle Singletary versus Gore. The Jets' defensive line is fierce, so fierce that the third overall pick, defensive end, Quinnen Williams, isn't even starting. Will the Barrels put trust in their rookie running back? If so, regardless of how he performs, that's a good sign of what's to come the rest of the season. Because logic would dictate they rely on veteran Frank Gore and save Singletary's breakout game for another week. So if we see heavy Gore shells, still, I won't be off the Singletary bandwagon because I think it's what they should do this time um, just for smart. How about John Brown? Looked good in the preseason. Will that translate? Available in a lot of leagues. How about deep, deep cut Robert Foster? Continuing to receive deep looks from the passer who went deep. I wish I had a synonym for deep, but for the passer who went deep more times than any other quarterback last year, or a higher percentage of time, uh, that would make him a decent bye week fill-in in deeper leagues. Uh, overall, this game has many chances to disappoint owners in terms of fantasy relevance, but both teams could pleasantly surprise us with their improved running games. And that is what I got to say about that. Okay, then. Mr. Micro Machines hits again. Uh, I don't have anything to add. Mike, do you? No, I think that was pretty awesome. We All definitely, right. definitely covered. All right, let's go to the biggest mismatch of the week. Washington goes to Philadelphia. Philly is a nine and a half point over under, or I'm sorry, a nine and a half point favorite with a 45 and a half over under. Mike, what are you looking for on this one? So I, what the Redskins are going to want to do 
you know, is control control the clock as much as possible uh, for a couple reasons. One, their defense is pretty dang good. Uh, secondly, their offense sucks. So the key the key to the Redskins' offense right now is going to be who can step up in the running game. Uh, is it going to be Geis who's going to be the starter? Uh, I don't I don't see Geis dominating the carries or the touches. Uh, I think it's going to be a 60-40 split between Geis and Adrian Peterson. And they're going to have to run the ball quite a bit. Because who is Case Keenum going to throw the ball to? I mean, they have a rookie wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn, Jordan Reed, we don't even know if he's going to play or not, and old man Vernon Davis. I mean, their offensive passing weapons is just really bad. Uh, Chris Thompson might be their best receiver. We we'll find out. Uh, as far as the the Eagles though, their run defense is is pretty is pretty below average. So if Geis and Peterson can tag team, then they they really have somewhat of a chance. I I, I don't I don't see the Redskins being in this game going in probably to the fourth quarter a little bit. Uh, I, I think the Eagles are going to dominate this this game. They they really have that two tight end set, uh, both Ertz and then, you know, going on later in the year when the bye weeks start happening, you're going to see Godert um, be more played, but I, I wouldn't play him this week. You definitely want to start Ertz. And they also have, of course, Wentz and Alson Jeffrey. Uh, Jordan Howard, I'm interested in seeing how that ha- Howard Sanders, Miles Sanders uh, duo is going to work. So you have one duo with the Redskins, and then you have the other duo in Philadelphia. And w- I want to see which which duo actually comes away with the most stats at the end of the game. Will it be the Howard Sanders duo, or will it be the Geis and Peterson duo? And that is going to be interesting as far as the game concerned. Get your Eagles in. They should dominate pretty well. Redskins go with go with guys, but don't. I I wouldn't I wouldn't put him more than a flex play at this point. What does Miles Sanders have to show you for you to start him next week? Uh, he he would definitely have to control the the carries and the touches by a pretty good significant amount. It, it all starts with the snaps and how many how many more snaps he gets over Howard. I honestly this year do not see Miles Sanders being the factor that we all think he can be uh, because of the Eagles offense, the way they, they rely so much on the, the, the first and second down ball carrier. That's really important to their offense. And that is Jordan Howard. So if Miles Sanders can do that, which I don't, think he can at this point in his career maybe he can bulk up a little bit but at this point i don't see him being a rookie and being that involved in the offense i really see this being um jordan howard and first and second down miles sanders being more of that third down back um and of course he, he'll if the flow is going well then you'll see him you know getting the carries and early on in the downs but for the most part it's going to be jordan howard would you start carson wentz Against um, <clears throat> Washington or Jameis Winston against the Niners? 
I would probably start. No, it depends on on if your league cancel or takes away interceptions, uh, negative points. Uh, some of my leagues interceptions aren't aren't a negative factor. So, but if if it is, then I'm probably going to go with Wentz over Winston. If your league doesn't incorporate interceptions, then I'd go with Winston over Wentz. Okay. Winston over Wentz. Uh, Evan, what do you think on that? Winston. Winston. Uh, yeah. I don't. I like what Mike said about interceptions, but man, Wentz seems to come and go. Winston just seems to make really stupid plays and then throw it deep a bunch. I, I like. I'm cool on Wentz this year. I would rather have Winston. Yeah. I think he and, could have top five potential. Yeah, and and hot upside or hot. Um, future look at some uh, stats the 49ers were the f- score allowed the fourth I'm sorry the fifth most points last year so um, I would go with Jameis in uh, what should be a shootout there in San Francisco though um, I, I do understand what you were saying Mike about Wentz versus Jameis it, it would might come down to your league scoring settings because Jameis could have four picks in him at any given moment so uh, so that's uh that's um that's my opinion on it as well. Um, so next game up, uh, we're going to pick up the pace a tad. Uh, it's uh, the Rams go to Carolina to take on the Panthers. This one is a 50-point over-under um, with the Rams as three-point road favorites. Uh, the big thing that I'm looking at, the big thing that I'm looking at, biggest thing in this, uh, this whole game, it's the same five-inch by five-inch by five-inch cube that the whole rest of the NFL is talking about. What's in the box? But talked about all off season. And it's the area just above the calf and just below the thigh of Todd Gurley and what they do to manage Todd Gurley's reps. And the big thing with that is all off season. Everybody thought that it was going to be Daryl Henderson, but there was a slow, quiet drumbeat in the background that it might be Malcolm Brown. And the big thing for this game is, is we're going to see if they start off the season by monitoring and limiting Todd Gurley's snaps, Todd Gurley's carries, the type of carries he gets, Todd Gurley's targets. Um, Because if they're doing it in game one, hey, guess what? That's because they're trying to make sure that he's there in game game 19 um, in the Super Bowl. So if they're doing it game one, they're going to do it all season long. Now, if Todd Gurley blows the doors off and they give him 30 touches, 25 touches, two goal line carries, uh, you know, what have you, uh, maybe less actionable because, um, you know, the big problem with the knee is that it can wear down, it can break. Um, well, the knee can't break, but it can become unusable. I have an arthritic knee. I've said this a bunch of times, and I do am saying this with the biggest caveat. I understand that Todd Gurley is in much better shape than I am. I also understand that he has much better uh, medical staff at his disposal. But none of that matters for an arthritic knee because it will lock up on you and it'll be basically non-functional. Happens to me, it's seemingly random. So if the Rams are worried about him all season and they only give him, say, 12, 13 carries plus targets, then we got an issue on our hands for our Todd Gurley drafters. And by we, I mean not me because I didn't draft Todd Gurley. Um, I'm also looking at Cooper Cup's usage for the Rams. And um, there's been a, some some buzz about Gerald Everett as a sleeper at tight end. I don't really buy it. 
um, for the Rams, but everything else is business as usual, unless, unless, unless you're worried that the Jared Goff, who after he played the Chiefs, he was in, he was not a very good fantasy quarterback uh, last season. If unless you're worried that Jared Goff is gonna continue to falter, then that's something you got to worry about because that's gonna take down the whole Rams offense. Personally, I don't think that's an issue. Uh, for the Panthers. I mean, it's my boy, Curtis Samuel. I want to see how he does. I want to see how this new look Cam Newton throwing motion um, that we talked about previously and was the talk of the offseason, how that does in live games, you know, with actual bullets, as they say. Um, I want to see how that looks or if he reverts back to his, um, you know, not using his hips and his lower body to throw the football. Um, And then also, I mean, is Chris McCaffrey going to take even another step forward? Um, That'd be interesting. And then... uh, my Greg Olson hot take watch starts because I had him at under five complete games for the season before Ian Thomas takes over and somebody spends most of their fab budget on, on, on uh, Ian Thomas in, in uh, week five or week six. Um, so that's what I'm looking for, for uh, Panthers and Rams. Anything that you guys are looking for that I, that I uh, skipped out on? You know, the, the one thing that I'm curious on what you, how you feel is can Christian McCaffrey actually, get more uh i mean obviously everybody can get more but what what do you think the realistic aspect of christian mccaffrey actually getting more receptions than he did last year one thousand receptions realistically (laughs) i think i think uh evan's low ball no i mean it's like you know 100 receptions is like an upside it's an upside for like every running back. So, I mean, that's where I'll start with him. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I I can't realistically expect more than that out of Christian McCaffrey. Well, How I think he had last year, last year didn't he? Yeah, he okay. had in that he had in that ballpark. But that's really the and, and 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 the Panther the style of the Panthers Panthers offense changed last season too. They got rid of Devin Funchess. I mean, they're 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 and and switched to other short, quick hitter guys, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. So I think that they'll be less targets going to CMC, which means, you know, even if he has an increased efficiency, I mean, a hundred receptions is realistically enough. He had 107 last year. Yeah. And he realistically hit his upside. I mean, he doesn't have to get better every season. He doesn't have to top every year, the year before. I think, yeah, I'm just saying, I think a hundred receptions, given the changes in the offense, I think it's a real. Oh, I see what upside. you're saying. What I, yeah, what I'm saying is even if he catches a higher percentage of balls, I think fewer are coming his way because the offense is going to have more weapons in it. So, right. yeah, a hundred is a reasonable upside. He, like you said, he hit 107 last year, but that doesn't mean he's going to get even more this year. No, and I doubt it. I think he's going to probably fall in between 2017 and 2018. 2017, he had 80. So maybe 90, 95. Yeah, realistic ballpark. So Evan, I think you're a thousand. I think that might be the outlier opinion here. <laughs> All right, let's call Close it. Let's, let's call Close. it even. Five hundred. All right, five five hundred. We'll uh, we'll um, split the difference there. So, all right, Evan, um, I'm going to need you to take a big sip of water. I'm gonna go on a walk. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a walk for fifteen Pretty. twenty minutes, and uh, let's see. What are you talking I about? Need, like one. Casey and Jacksonville, 52 point over under, which I think is a little high. Kansas City is four point favorites on the road in Jacksonville. Evan, what are we looking for? All right, Kansas City, reassure us against a defense that is top 10. There's a reasonable chance Jacksonville could put a, a good hold on Kansas City's top offense. The Jags are rated in the top five among defenses, and I kind of 
I kind of hope they do because it would be really funny to see the Homer Kansas City barbecue chicken littles declare that the sky is falling. But, you know, even more than that, I, I would like to see some good fantasy production. Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey. They should all sure owners at least <clears throat> at least something in fantasy are, are predictable. Speaking of predictable, let's put the final nail in the Damian Williams coffin. Yeah. Smart to use a three-headed monster approach at running back, giving each player limited opportunity on a limited carry count. I mean, this this season also, uh, Kansas City unites two of the greatest humanitarians in the NFL, uh, Tyreek Hill and LaShawn McCoy. Uh, it'll be nice to see if LaShawn McCoy can recapture his days playing for an Andy Reid squad that can actually move the ball. Uh, it's difficult not to use the phrase jag, which refers to just a guy, <laughs> referring to Williams because, you know, they're playing the jags and I want to avoid confusion. But he is embo- the embodiment. Damian Williams embodies why the just a guy designation exists. It's a warning that just because this person has opportunity does not mean they will automatically perform. Jacksonville. Jacksonville was taken as the third defense, according to Fantasy Football Calculator ADP. Let's see how many leagues them dropped after getting lit up by one of the best offenses of all time. If he gets dropped in your league, pick them up immediately. Uh, another key thing to watch for is if replacing the horrible Blake Bortles with the, I don't know how good he is, but he can't be worse than Blake Bortles, Nick Foles. If Nick Foles does even average performance, it should open up the offense beautifully in terms of fantasy production. This would make waiver wire darlings out of Marquise Lee and Lee Westbrook should be owned in all leagues, but is only owned in 63% of NFL.com leagues. Even Ryquel Armstead, the rookie backup to the oft-hobbled Leonard Fournette, would get a boost. Uh, this is classically weird. This is a classically oddly even matchup of world-class offense going against first-rate defense on one side and kind of mediocre offense going against the ho-hum defense on the other. Uh, I expect average performances from both both offenses, which will make pre- people prematurely fail the Chiefs and unreasonably hype the Jags, both of which I feel are unfounded. That's a good, uh, good takeaway where um, if they meet in the middle, people will be freaking out for different reasons. <laughs> you know, if it's because, uh, you know... Yes, the Chiefs are going to take a step back, but they're getting their hardest opponent of the season in week one. So it's like, you know, just kind of kind of get that out of the way. Now, you you uh, you mentioned Damian Williams. there. Now, Damian Williams, I'm going to ask you a question here. Would you rather start Damian Williams at Jacksonville or Austin? Yes, at- this one, this one, the next one you're going to say. Austin Powers. Yes. Damian, <laughs> the Jake, the snakes, Robert Snake still in the bag. Against Chicago, it doesn't matter. Yes, yes. Uh, let's Austin, let's see how far Austin down Eckler and Hyde. Yeah, Austin uh, Eckler. I'm gonna see how far down you go. Uh, okay. Darius guys. Oh, easily. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, Jordan Howard. Let's see, Philly's playing. Philly's <laughs> playing Washington. Oh, Jordan Howard. Royce Freeman at Oakland. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Uh Peyton Barber at Tampa Bay. Or versus San Francisco. San Francisco. Alright, I think that's I think that's the fifty fifty line you found right there. God, I hope so, because the next guy ranked <laughs> on fantasy pros is LaShawn McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> well okay, well then we have to keep going. Sorry. Jeez. Uh, how long 
This podcast is going to be 10 hours long. Frank Jeez. Gore. Okay, give me give me Damian Williams. All right. So he's your running back 42 on the week. All right. All right. All Don't right. say we didn't warn you here at Football Absurdity, people. Don't say we haven't been warning you about Damian Williams for a long time. And Mike, you were gone. So this is the official uh, uh, main episode uh, floor for you to lament the loss of Sir Andrew Luck as Indianapolis travels to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers in front of 20 people or so. 44 and a half point over under with the Chargers at six and a half point favorites. So, Mike, you can have the floor to talk your piece on Andrew Luck if you'd like or if you'd want to look towards the future. And Jake Brisket, who got a $30 million contract and is going to lead the Colts to the promised land of, yeah. of nine and seven. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one. I tell you, when I got the news that Luck hung him up, uh, my my perceptive and, you know, I can go on, but we're, we're you know, um, is that I don't think we're going to see we, we've seen the last of Andrew Luck. I think that mm-hmm. he just needs some time away from the NFL, time away from the rigorous training aspects of getting healthy uh, for whatever reason, his whatever leg problem that he had that was probably going to be an immense, uh, rigorous workout for him to get ready. I, I think he just said, you know what? Tired. Uh, I already put my shoulder and worked out my butt off to come uh, back from a shoulder. I'm just not ready to do anything. And so as the year goes on, I think he's going to miss it. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be wanting to play again and, I don't see we see him this year, but I see we see him come next year. And so be well, Andrew Luck. Now we have Brissett. And I have to say, I love the deal. A lot of people didn't like the fact that they signed Jacoby Brissett for a couple of seasons. I absolutely love it because now Jacoby doesn't have to worry about where, where, where this contract's going, where he's going to end up. They're saying, okay, you know what? Andrew Luck retired. You're our guy. Here you go. Here's here's two years, thirty million dollars. You go for it. And I think we're going to see a new new Jacoby Brissett. I mean, we, we, a lot of people have forgotten that Brissett came in. I mean, I, I don't know, like a couple weeks before even the season kicked off, they had an, an atrocious offensive line, which is why Andrew Luck got his uh, shoulder all tore up and everything else about his body. And he Brissett also has a problem with with release. He, he's not as fast as Andrew Luck. Um, so when you combine a horrible offense line with a quarterback who has a little bit longer release, it's going to end up trouble. But now, as we saw last year, that offensive line is much better. And I'm sure he's worked on his release point. He's familiar with the offense. Frank Wright's going to put him in a position to do well they have the weapons so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to percent he's going to be an exciting player he's going to be running around he he's not going to be as limited to uh, the drop back that andrew luck was uh so he's he's definitely going to be an exciting player to watch and i think after this week's game you're going to see a lot of people hitting the waiver wire to to, to uh, get him uh, not that they haven't been hitting the waiver wire already yeah, like I said in uh, Scott Fishbowl, he was uh, a lot of leagues had somebody clear their entire budget to make sure they got Jake Brisket, and it's a super flex league, so it makes sense. Um, so 
yeah um sorry i, I kind of stepped on you so so what no, are you looking cool. f- yeah so what are you looking for with the uh with the chargers in this one so I think you're going to be looking at sort of a, a passing game, not only with the Colts, but with the Chargers as well. So you, you have Rivers, but we don't know how it's going to really turn out. I mean, we saw a few games last year without Melvin Gordon, and we saw that rotation with Eckler and, and Justin Jackson. But what we also saw was was more passes from Phillip Rivers. He, he got Mike Williams more involved. Uh, Keenan Allen did his normal thing. So... Will that continue? Will, will we see um, a second receiver come out of, or even a third receiver, I should say, because Antonio Gates was pretty much the second receiver for most of Philip Rivers' career, but a true wide receiver, a, a second wide receiver come out with, with uh, L.A. now uh, and do what uh, is, is primarily Keenan Allen's only job. And that's the that's to pretty much get wide open and then get all the way down to the to the end zone and then throw the ball to the tight end. So I'm, I definitely want to see how Mike Williams does. Is is Travis Benjamin going to be involved in this offense passing game? And then the the Hunter Henry who had a, a pretty good uh, rookie season, but of course was all was out all of last year with an ACL. I want to see how well he can bounce back. So we're seeing a lot of moving pieces with both teams. Uh, how's Ty, Ty Hilton going to work? How's Devin Funchins going to work? Is Chester Rogers going to be the third receiver? Is Deion King going to be the third receiver? And then you have the tight ends and Doyle and Ebron. Right now, it, it's both teams are trying to find themselves. So I, I would like to see what all these pieces from both teams, if they can uh, what, what, what's going to be the unit? What, what's going to be uh, the team that's going to go A A to Z? And we'll see a lot of that come this week. Um, we're going to see a lot of young faces, so that should be pretty exciting. Uh, it's probably it's a little hard to say what players you should play out of this group, but Keenan Allen definitely. Uh, I'd go with Hunter Henry, and then of course Ty Hilton and, and Marlon Mack and Joe Kobe, Joe Kobe Brissett if you are either in a super flex league or your streaming quarterbacks. Or if you're feeling saucy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so a game that's got me feeling saucy is Cincinnati at Seattle. That is a bad transition. Cause I did not look at what game it was before I said it. This game is going to stink 44 point over under Seattle, nine and a half point favorites. And honestly, that seems too low. Um, since he is a dumpster fire, there's not a lot to say. Uh, people are hyping up Damian Willis. who's going to be in, in AJ green stead. I'm not interested in Damian Williams or Willis. I don't care what he does to be completely honest with you. I don't give a rat's rear end what Damian Willis does in week one. I don't understand why people are hyping him. Uh, people, people are telling us to watch out for Joe Mixon because he might have trouble in Cincinnati's offense because it's so bad, but then they're turning around and hyping, um, an undrafted guy who's who's starting for this dumpster fire. You know, it. I, I'm not interested in anybody on Cincinnati's side. I expect them to get fully stomped. Like Evan said earlier in the in the episode, uh, the Seahawks got Jadavian Clowney. They're suddenly amazing. They're suddenly uh, they went from like upper middle part of the uh, NFC um, to Super Bowl contenders just just by getting uh, Jadevian and Clowney on that line. So I fully expect Cincinnati to have a long, long day. 
You can't get away from Joe Mixon, um, but I'm sitting all Bengals. I'm sitting Tyler Boyd. There's no reason you should be starting Andy Dalton or Tyler Eifert, but um, I'm I'm not interested in any Bengal this week. I didn't draft Joe Mixon anywhere because of the issues going on with that offensive line. Um, so I don't really, to put a long story short, I don't really care what the Bengals do on Sunday, um, if I'm being completely clear. For the Seahawks, I am very interested in seeing if Chris Carson continues to crush um, and how much they work Rashad Penny in. If it's going to be like a 50-50 split in this game in the first half. I'm not interested in game end numbers because um, they're likely to be up by two touchdowns and it might be Penny running out the clock to get real reps um, instead of Chris Carson. I'm interested in, while the game is close, what the Carson and Penny split looks like. And then, of course, uh, like Evan said, or Evan or Mike, I forget one of you guys said earlier, uh, Seahawks receiving core is a bunch of Jags. Um, I believe that was Evan because it was a turn of phrase for his. Um, it uh, was Mike, but I'll take it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna unduly give Evan credit because um, that's just the kind of guy I am, a huge jerk. Um, but no, it's uh, DK. I'll give Metcalf. you credit for picking the Seahawks to make the playoffs. What's that? And I'll give you credit for picking the Seahawks to make the playoffs or the 49ers when they do. I did not give them credit to do that. I just. I no, realized that just now. For my picture. <laughs> I, I realized just now that uh, I did not factor in the Jadeveon Clowney thing when I was looking at uh, Super Bowl uh, odds. I will regretfully, shamefully, and sadly knock my Niners out of the playoffs for the Seahawks. Wow, that is a that is an upstanding move. There's a man right there. Nice job. Well, none of our teams are making the playoffs this year, so how about that, huh? Um. For the Seahawks, I'm going to cut it short. I'm looking at DK Metcalf. I want to see what he's doing. I want to see how they use him because um, he's a freaking nature athlete, but he has a less refined route tree than I do. His best thing is running straight and getting the ball in his hands because he ran straight and either ran past the guy or overpowered the DB at the point of attack. But I want to see what he does other than that. Let's just keep, keep it. And you're absolutely right. I'm not disagreeing with you. But honestly, his nine route needs work, okay? And that's the only route he can run. We all can run the straight line. He might struggle with it. Wait, what? That's the only route he can run. How is he struggling with it? Because let's, let's even though he can run, run with it, it doesn't mean he can do it well. Oh, yeah. He might have trouble getting the crow's nest in the five hole, too. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we were just making up phrases now and putting them no, in. Oh, a nine route's a thing. Nine route is the is the go route. It's the straight line. It's straight the go line. deep. It's the hail mary route. It's it's the uh, it's the uh, yeah. It's the only route he can oh, run. And I, are we talking about DK Metcalf? Yeah. Oh I, yes. I, I for some reason thought we were on Clowny still. Okay. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm on. Yeah. Nine route is a thing. <laughs> it was like that, it's like a nine route for a defensive end. That's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. He runs a straight line straight past the quarterback just as into the into the end zone. He just runs straight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's I'm I'm curious to see how they use DK Metcalf and and how he performs. So, um next game up is going to be uh NFC East game which surprisingly is not uh Sunday night football. Uh it seems like this is always Sunday night football, but it's Giants at Dallas, 45 and a half point under, over under. Dallas is 7 point favorites. Evan, let's hear it. I mean, this is it for me. 
I have Dallas's offense taking a step forward into the top three fantasy offenses. I have pretty much their entire team as a deal in fantasy football drafts, except Ezekiel Elliott, who I had number one and never moved him throughout the entire offseason. Oh, I have the Cowboys good for you. Winning. I have the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. So let's see it. USA Today has the Giants ranked in the bottom five defenses in the league. They are pretty much the football version of a country kitchen buffet, and the Dallas offensive stars are a bunch of fat old seniors. They're going to feast. Dak needs to show us that he has taken a step up from a locked and loaded QB1 for three straight seasons to top six quarterback stage. Elliott needs to show us why he's getting $90 million. Cooper needs to show us that his foot you know, still exists, because I haven't actually seen visual proof of that all, all preseason. Michael Gallup should prove that leagues who let him fall to the FA are stupid. Anything less, especially since they're facing a defense softer than a stick of butter sitting in the sun, and we need to rethink the things we consider for fantasy football predictions, particularly me. Now, the Giants, they need to show us they can at least stay competitive in terms of fantasy. Shouldn't be hard. Saquon Barkley all-world talent that was the most consistent fantasy producer in the league last year. And the Giants should be behind for most of the game, leading to opportunities for Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and whichever wide receiver wants to step up and be the number two, if any of them do. Speaking of which, Ingram's usage has been estimated as incredibly huge. One of the rare times an offensive passing game seems to flow through the tight end. Dallas Deans has been rated as middle of the road, but it stars... Could elevate the whole the game plan. This is always vulnerable to the whole whim of every given Sunday, but it should be accommodating to the way that the Giants look to put up fantasy numbers. This week one fantasy matchup happens every year, yet it is the most excited, or maybe the only first time I've ever been excited to actually see it. Evan Ingram at Dallas or OJ Howard against the Niners? Evan Ingram at Dallas. Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry at the Colts? Evan Ingram. All right, I'm going to ask he, you this one. He almost I, passed Zach Ertz for me for, for my seasonal rankings this week. Evan Ingram at Dallas or Zach Ertz at Washington? Oh, Zach Ertz at Washington. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm only on my third beer. Come on. I'm going to ask you the hardest question. The hardest question. Evan Ingram or Vance McDonald? You, I, I just... Flames. I looked at Matt McDonald, and apparently he's only owned in 31% of leagues. Uh, what? Which is a pre- which is a pre- yeah, which is a preview to my Pittsburgh summary coming up. And I never felt more okay with the universe and the way things are flowing than when I read that stat. Wow, 31%, huh? That is wild. Okay. Um, so next game up is going to be Detroit and Arizona. This is a game I'm particularly interested in. We'll find out why later. Wink, uh, 46 and a half point over under Detroit is two and a half point favorites on the road. Mr. Val Verde, what are we looking for in this one? So I think what everybody is looking for is to see how good Kyler Murray is going to be. And Who? Yeah, he's some some like quarterback, I think, that was like picked. Somewhere in the draft last year. Or He's this a natural-born Kyler. Yeah, from uh, I think he even got that name from Oklahoma or something to that effect. That sounds like someone from Oklahoma, right, Kyler? 
Yeah. Is that the is that the guy who was on the who looked like the Great Gazoo in preseason with the giant helmet? That guy? Yeah, Tyler with the big old like outer space. Yeah, yeah, shades thing from out. Yeah, exactly, alien style. All right, so Kyler Murray, rookie, yeah, with Cliff Kingsbury. So what do you think, Mike? So, yeah, we'll we'll find out. I I I think that if Kyler Murray comes in and blows blows the door opens, everybody's gonna be like. Yeah, I told you, number one guy. Should I told you all he was the greatest quarterback ever? Then of course you'll have the other side if if he's just completely garbage the first game. Oh man, the Cardinals blew it. So it it's neither, neither going to be one or the other this whole season. I think you're going to see a mixture of both. Uh, he's a rookie. He's learning a, a system. Um, will it be a good system? Maybe. Maybe next year will be a horrible system. We never know. But uh, we'll we'll find out uh, what game by game how this is going to carry. And then the first game this year, of course, is against the Lions. And they sort of Lions have some problems with their own. I a lot of people have a lot of faith in on Johnson, and I do too. But when you look at his history, and that's his injury history. I think there's a lot of lot to be concerned about. Uh, he's had a labrum um, repaired and his hand in high school. Uh, he's had shoulder surgery after his freshman season at Auburn, an ankle injury his sophomore year, and uh, shoulders and ribs injuries his junior year, and then come in after skipping his senior year to go play for the Detroit Lions. He injures his knee and misses, I think, nine games. So every year, it seems from high school on, Kerryon Johnson has had problems staying healthy. So that tells me a lot. I, I think that's one of the reasons why they brought in C.J. Anderson and kept the running backs that they have, because I don't think that Kerryon Johnson is going to be a bell cow back. I, I think they're going to lean on him. But as far as being a bell cow, I don't see him doing so. So. That's going to be interesting to see, especially against the Cardinals' defense, who which is awful, uh, just horrible. Uh, their offense was bad last year. Their defense was not much better, and they're not much better again this year. So I think that Kerryon Johnson is going to have a very good day as long as he doesn't get hurt. Uh, and I also like to see how, how well, as I was saying, Kyler Murray does against the pass of the Detroit Lions. Their passing defense was horrible as well. So they were ranked 30th against the pass. So this is this is sort of a good time for Kyler Murray to shine. What what's going to happen with uh, David Johnson? Um, is he going to even though he had a, a solid season, is he going to be more of what we saw before the injury? Uh, how's uh, Larry Fitzgerald going to fit into this offense? Keyshawn Johnson is he going to match up well with Kyler Murray? Will Christian Kirk? Will Andy Isabella? Uh, we'll see which rookies kind of come out for the Cardinals, and then I, you know, I'm gonna if you if you have Kenny Holiday, I think you play in this 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 week because um, at least as a flex uh, because I think you're gonna see on Johnson just manhandle that that poor defense of Arizona, and Stafford's gonna just launch a couple of deep passes, and I and I definitely. Can put down carry put down Kenny Galladay for two touchdowns. Okay, 
Two touchdowns for Kenny Galladay. Two oh. touchdowns tomorrow? tomorrow? Not to. What? What? Tomorrow? Uh, two touchdowns, what? Two touchdowns for Kenny Galladay. Tomorrow. I mean, Sunday. Sunday. Okay, well, now that people know we're recording this Friday and the magic's gone. But yeah, two touchdowns Sunday? Two touchdowns Sunday against a defense that's starting um, Tremaine Brock in the year of our Lord 2019 because their top two uh, uh, cornerbacks are out. Yeah, I'd go two touchdowns for Kenny Galladay. Wow. All right. That's a bold prediction. I mean, I see the I see the logic, but let's see. If you're right, I need you to do a victory lap. <laughs> I ain't running. <laughs> a victor a victory saunter. I didn't, I didn't say you had to. <laughs> a victory <laughs> saunter. Long lap. You can All do right. a car. All right. Last game up that's and it's the last game of the week that we're covering that's uh not in prime time. It's my boys. My San Francisco 49ers, they travel east to Tampa Bay and the football gods grace them with a uh, 1.30 Pacific start time instead of the 10 a.m. Uh, it's a 55 and a half point over under and it's a pick em. It's literally no favorite in this one, which which is an implied San Francisco three point favorite because uh, usually playing at home gets you two and a half, three points right off the bat. Um, the big thing that I'm looking at in this one is. This sequel to the movie that happened in week three in Kansas City last year, which was the assassination of Handsome James by the coward Handsome James. Jimmy G died. He tore his ACL trying to get an extra yard when he was about three yards short of the first down on third down. No, I'm not bitter. Why do you ask? And he's back. Um, everything looked good in his last preseason performance after everything looked bad in his first preseason performance. Literally every single 49er, except for George Kittle, that you might have drafted, their fantasy football value hangs in the balance of how Jimmy G does. So we're talking Brita, Coleman, Pettis. If you've listened to anybody at Football Absurdity over the last week, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Debo Samuel in deep leagues, all these guys depend on how Jimmy G comes back. And they're coming back against a team that allowed the second most points in the league last year um, in the Buccaneers. So if Jimmy G is bad in this one, that's a bad omen. That's a real bad omen. And what will be another bad omen is if Jameis struggles in this game because the Niners were the fifth worst defense last year. They gave up the fifth most points. And they added a lot of guys to the front seven. So they're going to have a much better pass rush. But if there's one thing that bothers me about this Niners team this year, it's the secondary. They got Jason Verrett. But guess who's already hurt? Jason Verrett. And that was their big upgrade. And he's banged up already. And that's the MO with Jason Verrett. So... If Jameis struggles mightily against this Niners defense, I'm worried about Jameis, but at the same time, maybe hopeful about my Niners. And um, I'm gonna, re- I'm going to reserve the next three seconds for me to praise Mike Valverde on Dario Gunbowale. He was the first person I heard mention him, and uh, he's the talk of the town right now. Uh, Dario Ogunbowale is the currently the third round back for the 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 Bucks. Um, but he could scrape his way up into passing Peyton Barber and or Ronald Jones, who are Jags. Um, 
As far as the passing game, I mean, it's going to be O.J. Howard. It's going to be Mike Evans. It's going to be Chris Godwin. My hot take was that Mike Evans is going to lead the league in targets. Hopefully he gets off to a good start. Um, but um, there's not much to glean out of that passing game um, unless Jameis Winston really struggles. So is there anything you guys are worried about with Niners Tampa Bay? or I'm, I'm going to go down with the ship Nick Mullins and Raheem Mostart. Oh, so you're just you're just trolling because Raheem Mostert is clearly the worst running back in the running back room today. No, today. overall, overall. And if that's all we have to say, then I'm going to move this train right along to Pittsburgh travels to New England uh, to take on the Patriots. Uh, this is the Sunday night football matchup. Sunday. And, and this one is a game where I forgot to put the over under and favored in. And if you're this far in, please forgive me. I'm going to say it's a 600 point over under with it being a straight pick em. So, Evan, what are you looking for in Patriots and, and uh, Steelers? Patriots Steelers. Of all the week one games this year, this one has the potential to end up changing fantasy football fans' opinions the most. And that includes last night's game, so that lets you know how I feel about this. New England has a great defense. They're even ranked number one in the league by USA Today. Pittsburgh lost its, lost its best two players in the last two years. Caveat, the loss of Antonio Brown could create some addition by subtraction scenarios because he's clearly nuts. I wouldn't, right. say they, I wouldn't say they lost him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, addition by subtraction. Still, there's a good chance Pittsburgh falls to the ranks of, from the ranks of perennially top five fantasy offense to, you know, the next tier. I'm watching James Conner to see if his reasonable but not great skill set and opportunity will translate against a stout defense. If not, his first-round pick status might be looked at as a reach that depended more on Pittsburgh's history than on their actual current situation. Wow, I'm that's, not worried that's a dig directly at me. Is it? <laughs> I, uh, I always talked about their history. Anyways, uh, continue. I, I, didn't mean to screw, I didn't mean to screw up your flow. Continue. I thought I was a, no, you did, and it's fair. Turnabout's fair play. Uh, <laughs> so you... So you, you I thought I, I thought you uh, you thought their history was a detriment in their perception this uh, this, this oh, offseason. Oh, absolutely not. Their history supports James Conner being amazing. Oh, since okay, Mike so Tomlin, my, my, uh, tension, my yeah. big my big stat that I spent like an hour and a half sorting out since Mike Tomlin came into the league, only the Rams have given one running back more twenty plus touch games than the Steelers. And it's by one game. So Right. So, so let's keep eyes on that, people who are watching this, to see if, hey, it's continuing to continue, the, the management does it, or if it was the, the stars. All right, that's a good thing to look at. Uh, I'm not worried, nor am I really taking any impressions from Juju Smith-Schuster's performance, as he is great, and a bad game isn't going to change that. Uh, does Ben Roethlisberger have what it takes to sculpt a decent game script against one of the best defensives? If so, then he's a great waiver-wire quarterback fill-in. If not, uh, the bloom's gone off this uh, matchup-based rose. Uh, also, will Vince, when will Vance, I can't even get his name right because I don't care, will Vance McDonald <laughs> silence me? Football absurdity and all the other pundits who argue that the opportunity means nothing when you're a tight end who is mediocre at best. He is available in more than two-thirds of ESPN leagues. A good game means he'll be owned in many more and will shut my foolish mouth, I guess. And a bad game means those one-third owners will hopefully learn the hard way that he's, he's not a good fantasy play. Moving over to the New England side of the ball, what will Josh Gordon do? He will probably bring a great floor to fantasy owners by catching a touchdown. 
But will he be Ooh. on a would be a significant part of the game plan? Because that's what I want to see. The Josh Gordon of old, starting every snap and raining fiery terror on opposing secondaries. Will also Julian Edelman see a boost in targets due to Rob Gronkowski no longer being in the NFL? Or will those targets go to their motleyed backfield of James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James Devlin, and Damian Harris? Can one of those guys retire so I don't have to spend all the time saying that? Or, or will New England slow their offensive speed down to a new low, relying on their top-rated defense to dictate how the game plays out? That's the main factor that will help me make sense out of their fancy prospects at wide receiver and running back. Uh, so finally, with Gordon in town, will Tom Brady return a QB1 status? Those of you who own him, you can't keep playing the waiting game in a league with so many fancy relevant quarterbacks. If he scores over 20 in standard scoring leagues, keep starting him. If he doesn't, you need to put someone else in immediately. And by immediately, I mean for week two. <laughs> Another exciting matchup here whose fantasy ramifications run the gamut from these players are top in fantasy studs to these players are top in candidates to drop when picking up the new waiver wire hotness. Mark, you want to let that one marinate? Yeah, I, I think the only thing that I, I would disagree with, with Evan Woo! on this is that I think – you have to give Tom Brady a little bit of, of leeway as far as if he's if he doesn't score 20 points, I don't think you just like bench him right away. But I don't I also don't think that he's going to be what we see either. So if you're going in with high expectations, thinking that Tom Brady is going to be this player, Evan is correct. I, you're not going to see it. But also, if you have a belief that if, I mean, if you have worse quarterbacks and he doesn't do well, Tom Brady doesn't do well, then it, that doesn't mean you bench him for the rest of the season either. Yes, it does. Counter wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You're doubly wrong. You're triple dog doubly wrong. <gasps> the slight breach of etiquette by jumping all the way there. Can you guys, can you guys let me know when somebody's infinity wrong so we can move on to the next one? Plus one. Oh, <laughs> Monday Night Football, Houston at New Orleans. Uh, it's the it's a doubleheader game. This is going to be a fun game to watch, and I'm really annoyed that I just realized that it's a 4:10 start, and I probably won't need to or won't be able to watch it. 53 point over under with the Saints touchdown favorites at home against a suddenly rebuilt Houston Texans. So I'm sure there's nothing to look at for the Texans in this one. So let's just move on to the next one. Right, Mike? Yeah, they, they don't have an offense whatsoever. They, it's just horrible. I, I think they that offense is probably worse than Miami. Now that, now that we're back from that alternate universe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is going to be a slobber knocker of offense. So you get all the players you can, find in and get them in there kamara breeze maybe even murray you're definitely going to get thomas in there uh on houston side maybe duke johnson might be a good flex play maybe not uh if you're desperate or if you have injuries you throw them in there but we'll see and then of course you can watson and hopkins and fuller and maybe even qt we'll see about that the the one thing that i'm sort of interested in with with the saints is who is there going to be a second wide receiver to step up finally? They, it's oh, it's the Michael Thomas show. So, and it's always been um, a wide receiver one show for the Saints with Drew Brees, sort of like as we see with the Chargers. But I, I, Ted Ginn can can definitely step up. Uh, Trey Quinn Smith, who 
had a couple good games last year as a rookie. Now is the second year in his offense. Maybe he can step up. And then what are they going to do with Jared Cook? The Saints have not really gone to their tight end much of anything since Jimmy Graham. Uh, so is Jared Cook any different? And next uh, this Sunday we'll find out whether they decided, okay, let's start incorporating the tight end or let's just use him continuously as a decoy as they've done with all the other tight ends that they've had since Jimmy Graham. Um, yeah, and just have fun with this game because I, I think it's going to be one of those high-scoring offensive-type games. Yeah, and um, I did the math once. At, under Sean Payton, except for Jimmy Graham, um, an individual tight end is never out. Or individual tight end ones under Sean Payton, other than Jimmy Graham, have averaged less than four targets a game for a whole season. So not really interested in Jared Cook, and I've never been interested in Jared Cook because he's uh, not good. So, Mike, uh, Alvin Kamara or Damian Williams? That's a tough one. Right out of the <laughs> right out of the shoot, too. Yeah. Tough question. Uh, I I notice you're filibustering and not answering it, so I'm gonna say that you're saying uh, Damian Williams, and you know what? I think you're gonna be wrong on that one, Mike. I, you know, I I think I'm gonna debate you on that, and, and I'm going to go with with Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin and the Chipmunks. All right, way to go out on a limb there. So, um, I mean. The only real question among the Saints, because we don't believe in Jared Cook, is uh, where you might be starting uh, Drew Brees. And um, I cannot find him in this chart. Oh, Drew Brees. Oh, boy. This is an interesting ranking for him. All right. Drew Brees or Russell Wilson versus Cincinnati. Oh, wow. Uh, Cincinnati allowed the most most passing yards last year. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson, especially if we're looking at PPR. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Wilson on this just because he's going to add uh, points with his. Oh, we don't, we don't. Never mind, that doesn't work right anymore. For those listening at home, so, those listening at home, when Mike says PPR, he means quarterbacks get rushing credit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mike. Uh, Mike is the oldest of old school. Where his <laughs> first leagues, we 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 sussed this out of him. His first leagues did not have quarterback rushing yards. That so was the most say, hilariously confusing conversation yeah, I've had all so, year. The full disclosure, Mike will say PPR out of habit, and that is quarterback rushing points, not points for reception. <laughs> Which, with uh, you know us youngins, us millennials, uh, think that that we mean point per reception. <laughs> so, all right, last game of the night, and it's my game of the night, and it's the weirdest game of the night because of um, the Antonio Brown situation. Denver at Oakland, 7.20 p.m. game. Uh, The last opening game at the Coliseum until the Raiders get sick of being in Vegas and move back to Oakland for the 25th time. Um, When I checked this, Oakland was one-point favorites, uh, 43-point over-under, but that could have literally changed minute by minute, uh, depending on uh, the Antonio Brown situation. So we already touched on the big thing I wanted to figure out from this game which is what the heck is going on with antonio brown like come on just get on the field and play the game um i saw a theory that antonio brown wanted to secure the bag uh get cut by the raiders and just ride off into the sunset and call it a career that he's just uh taking a huge hit to his pr to uh just ride off into the sunset and not damage his body anymore which for evan's sake i hope isn't true um but i just want to see you know what he does if he plays 
uh, this this um, this uh, Monday night football. Uh, the other thing I'm looking for is Joe Flacco um, with a team that's not the Ravens for the first time in his career. Um, who does he favor? Is it Manny Sanders, uh, Evan's least favorite player in the NFL? Um, Evan doesn't have some sort of stat about how many injuries he's had in nine seasons. Evan? Ooh, I caught Evan napping. I, I caught Evan napping. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. I'm doing a... My friend was nice and gave me his phone for a Wi-Fi hotspot so I could do this podcast. And he needed it because he's going out to dinner. But I'm like, yo, the show must go on. What can I do so that I, I can keep your phone out here? And he was like, well, you know, I lost a water bet to your friend. And I was like, fine. That's where you uh, have to, if you lose the bet, he gets to pour water over your head. Yeah. And so I stepped in, took his place in order to keep that Wi-Fi hotspot. That's what I was busy doing. Oh, man, that's dedication. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Show must okay. go on, man. Show must go on. So, okay. So I won't give you too much garbage about... Let, let's try that again. Uh, Manny Sanders is... I'm sure Evan doesn't have a stat about how many injuries he has in nine seasons. 18. 18 injuries. Um, so that's... that's. Uh, I'm just curious what the Denver Broncos look like. And I'm also really curious, of, because of my Scott Fishbowl team, what the Philip Lindsay-Royce Freeman split is going to be um, as well. So... Um, I think that'll put the slate to bed. But before we head out, um, last season, Mike and I did sleepers and uh, we decided to retool it a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about daily fantasy. Now we're brought to you by draft.com. But due to restrictions in draft um, usage, uh, Evan's based out of Washington. He's It's literally illegal for him to do that. We're going to pivot to um, draft.com. If you don't know, they merged with FanDuel. So we're going to put FanDuel lineups together because we can export the values and uh, uh, Mike, Evan, and I can uh, put, put some teams together and we'll just run through them real quick. Hey, and, uh, play by proxy. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to track it throughout the season and see uh, uh, who wins the most. So Evan, since you lived in Washington, was this literally the first um, uh, uh, um, budget um, salary cap team that you've put together before? I actually lived it a few when I lived in California, but this is the first since Draft.com merged their powerful energy with FanDuel's <laughs> extensive resources. So, promo yeah, it's the first one that counted. Yeah, promo code absurdity. Yeah, so, um, you know what? Um, Mike, this was your idea. Let's start with your lineup. And uh, let's say player, who they're playing against, and their value, if you have that up. If not, we can start with me, because I have that up on mine. I, I do have that up. Uh, All right. Let's hear it. So, starting at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow. And he's going for 7200 and he will be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Running back, Carrion Johnson. He's playing against Arizona, and his value is 7000 Running back number two. Chris Carson, 6,600 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Wide receiver, Adam Thielen, mm. 7,400 7, against Atlanta Falcons. Second wide receiver, Didi Westbrook, 5,900 and will be facing the Chiefs. Absolute the, steal. Yeah. And then the third wide too. receiver is DJ Moore, 6,200, and will be facing the Rams. And then we have at tight end, 
Evan Ingram. Woo! 6,400 against the Dallas Cowboys. Flex, Mike Evans, 7,900 against the 49ers. And then at defense, 5,000. The Baltimore Ravens against the Miami Dolphins. We got a lot of overlap, Mike. All right. Let's run that back again, just the players real quick. Okay. The players, quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Running back, Carrion Johnson. Running back, Chris Carson. Wide receiver, Adam Thielen. Wide receiver, D.D. Westbrook. Wide receiver, D.J. Moore. Tight end, Evan Ingram. Wide receiver or flex, Mike Evans. And in defense, the Baltimore Ravens. All right. So, Evan, um, who do you got this weekend going for you? For uh, your, uh, A lot of the great picks Mike's make. make I've got uh, Jameis Winston for $7,500. I thought about Dak Prescott for the same price, but negative one points for INT. It's going to be Jameis Winston versus San Francisco. Running backs, while he's still around, give me Leonard Fournette, 7,200 <laughs> versus Kansas City. Uh, good caveat. Back, good caveat. Yep, yep. That's the great part about Daily Fantasy. You don't have to invest in him for more than one dime. Yes, uh, Carry on Johnson, $7,000 versus Arizona. That's that's the play right there. All these people that were like, mm, might get injured. Wide receivers, that's Ooh. Uh-oh. I made a mistake here. I put... Hmm. Oh, I'm very sorry about this. Uh, I put uh, Dalvin Cook as my first wide receiver. That's weird. Uh, who's your, moving on. Who's, who's your flex, Evan? Chris Carson. Oh, I definitely no. want Chris Carson. I, I definitely don't want Dalvin Cook. So who's a $7,400 uh, uh, wide receiver? Uh, Chris Chris Godwin, 6,900. Got anybody higher? Uh, not that I have up on my screen right now. Give me any $7,400 wide receiver. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll find you a $7,400 wide receiver. The one you hate the most, so that's what I deserve. Tyler Lockett, 6,800. I, I put in somebody, but I put 7,400. Tyler Lockett, 6,800 versus Cincinnati. God, I even, I even proofread this. All right, D.D. Westbrook, 5,900 in the wide receiver slot. Always Evan Ingram for 6,400. That's a steal. Uh, Chris Carson for 6,600 is definitely my flex. And always Baltimore for 5,000 over Miami. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah. And so sorry about that. Full disclosure. It's literally illegal for Ev- Evan cannot access. <laughs> yeah. Evan, I, fan, fan I'm going here. I'm trying to pull it up. And I'm like, yeah, what do you got, Mike? Uh, did you say Adam Thielen? No, I said somebody, and I have, have seventy four hundred. I just put in the wrong name. Okay, so Adam Thielen is seventy four hundred, who plays for Minnesota. So Book you're it. probably thinking Adam Thielen instead of Dalvin Cook. Book it, especially because Stephen Diggs had that injury, that late injury. Yeah. Yeah, Book Stephon it. Diggs. Yeah. Oof. So, alrighty, all right, boys, all right, boys. I actually have two lineups here, and I'm trying to decide which one to go with because I cheated. The state of Washington won't let me do this. I cheated. Yeah, lobby your congressman. All right, I'm gonna go with the, my second lineup that I made this morning. So I'm going a little bit different from you guys, but not too different. Um, it is at my quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson, 7,400 bucks at Miami. Um, I think going up against and victimizing this awful Miami defense is a smart call. Uh, second guy running back Christian McCaffrey, 8,900 bucks. And then uh, let's see. I am we're consensus carry on Johnson, $7,000 at Arizona. I have Chris Godwin for 6,900 bucks against the Niners. Um, awful secondary. 
DD Westbrook. We're across the board. We're consensus on DD. Fifty nine hundred bucks. Absolute steal. Locked and loaded. You're crazy if he's not in your lineup. Guess what else we're he's coming out? Well, guess what else we're across the board on? Evan, Evan Ingram. Ingram. Evan Hoover. Evan quotation marks Hoover. Ingram, which is wonderful because I also have Evan Ingram in my longtime league, the one that I care most about. So I feel very happy for that week one. My flex is Nicholas Chubb. Much like uh, Evan says, play Leonard Fournette before he gets hurt. I say play Nick Chubb before uh, Kareem Hunt comes back. So Kareem, uh, Evan Ingram, so Evan Ingram, Nick Chubb for $7,400. And then I have a different defense than you folks. I have the Seattle Seahawks versus Cincinnati because I had to go budget there. Seahawks are only 4,500 bucks. So I took that extra $500 and that's how I was able to move up from, I forget who I had, um, into, uh, Evan Ingram. And I don't know if I said my third wide receiver, it was Marquise Goodwin for 5,400 bucks. Oh, you're all right. What's that? That that was very insightful, wasn't it? I I was, we haven't said his name all, all, all episode and I was just thinking about him. Yeah. Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. I, that's on me. I didn't talk about him when I talked about the Niners. Um, He's kind of the de facto wide receiver one for the Niners right now. He's the deep threat. He's the guy that when Jimmy G was being Jimmy G in 2017, that was the connection. And um, I said it last episode, but in case this is your first episode, um, they did not play a full game together in uh, 2018. So we don't know what they looked like in 2018 because um, uh, Marquise Goodwin took a nasty thigh hit in week one, cost him week one, cost him week two, and Jimmy G tore his ACL in week three. So they did not play a full game together. So I'm very invested in Marquise Goodwin and what I think he's going to do this year because he was a buck. He's $5,400, which is pretty cheap uh, for a wide receiver. And or he was a bunk at auctions, I was saying, and he was a 13th, 14th round pick in, in, in redraft. So uh, to run those teams back real quick, Mike's got Jimmy G, Carrion Johnson, Chris Carson, Adam Thielen, D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Moore, Evan Ingram, Mike Evans, and the Ravens. Evan has Jameis, almost went Dak, Leonard Fournette, Carrion Johnson, Chris Carlin, Chris Carlin, Chris Carson. Steve Carlin. Steve Carlin. George Carlin. He's got all, all the Carlins. Dan Carlin. Hardcore history. Uh, no, he's got Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, D.D. Westbrook. Evan Ingram and the Ravens. I got Lamar Jackson, CMC, Carrion Johnson, Chris Godwin, D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Goodwin, Evan Ingram, Nick Chubb, and the Seahawks. So we'll check in on that next week, see how we did. Um, we'll check in on that throughout the year. It'll be kind of a little competition. Uh, we'll be doing it at the end of the episode. So um, if you guys want to uh, tune out, which I wouldn't recommend, hey, guess what? You have a nice breaking point. So um, that'll do it for the uh, Football Absurdity podcast, uh, late night edition. We had some technical difficulties. So um, I, I, I will be brief with this from Mike, from Evan. Thank you so much for listening, and you guys have a great evening.
I will sing a song and it will be the intro. I will sing a song and it will be the intro.